So before you take your seats, would you go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. Amen. We, we've, we've visited this address before, but this morning we're going to visit it again. So Hebrews, chapter 12, verse, uh, verses 1 and 2. Just, just two verses this morning. And so we're thankful for those that are visiting for the first time. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to serve you this morning. And for the, the locos of the house, thank you for coming back. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 reads like this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for your presence in this place. We thank you for the sweet presence, Lord, that is in this place. We ask you that you would be with us. Lord, speak through us. Speak to us this morning. And we pray for our, our, our senior pastor, God, that you would use him as he shares the word, Lord, in Andrews. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. And, it, it, and the, tis the season is around the corner, right, where everybody will be coughing and sniffling. And so that will just be part of the sermon. So if somebody coughs, don't make it awkward. It's going to happen to you. Hopefully not, but it's just tis the season. Tis the season. <laughs> All right. So it has been an incredible Sunday already, and uh, we have been in a series these past two weeks entitled Together. And, and as another season of, or, or semester of small groups begin, we wanted to talk about the importance of having the right people around you, right? But also for us, for you and I, for us to make the investment of getting plugged in. So it doesn't matter if we have the right people around us, if we never get plugged in, if we never open up, if we, if we never include ourselves in the conversation. So, uh, so today we close out the series, and if the first two parts haven't quite convinced you to give small groups a chance, well then we have one more opportunity <laughs> to convince you this morning that it's worth giving it a chance. Just worth giving it a chance. Uh, and so we read Hebrews chapter 12, and so our subject this morning is better together. We conclude this series with better together. And at the end of the day, we should be better because we are together, right? Or simply put, we can say that the people in our circle, meaning those that surround us on a daily basis, are making us better or bitter. Most of us here know the saying, tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. For my, Latin, my, my Latinos, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Right? Your circle is a reflection of who you are. Your circle is a reflection of who you are. You attract what you are. So follow me, please. Leaders attract leaders. Visionaries attract visionaries. Millionaires attract millionaires. And in my case, hundred hundredaires. Attract hundred heirs. Just being, being truthful. Hard workers attract hard workers. Lazy people attract. Couch potatoes attract. Your circle is a reflection of who you are. So, how's your circle looking this morning? And by the way, there's a common denominator, and that's you. <laughs> 
So if you don't like the circle you're in, there's a small chance it might be you that needs some adjusting. And I don't know about you, but I want to go far. You know the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I don't know about you, but I want to go far. I'm not trying to have a one-hit wonder and then it's all over, right? Just one good song and then that's it. No, I want to win for the long haul. I want to have victory in the long haul. And so we are a team. And as a team, we get to do life together. Every, every person is important in a team. There is not one person that is less important or more important than the other. See, it's not just about, speaking of basketball, it's not just about the starting five. Even though we may know their names by memory and their jersey number, it's also about the practice squad, okay? And ladies, please stay with me. I hope I'm not losing you. This terminology is great to you, but just follow me. We wouldn't even be able to mention the guys' names that are on the practice squad because they're not the ones under the spotlight, right? Their names aren't called before each game. But those in the practice squad are the ones that play against the starting five every single day. And you know why the starting five keeps getting better? Because of the no names in the practice squad are making them better. Aside from their talent, it's the practice squad, the no names that are making them better every day. And just because you may not find yourself on a platform, that does not mean that you are not important. Hear me. Truth be told, being on the platform is not all that glamorous as it seems. It has its challenges and there is a, a different kind of weight that we carry because we know we have the responsibility to stand before you and to stand before the Lord and on behalf of the Lord. I always found it funny growing up when I would hear people say, I can't wait to be a minister or to be up there in front of everyone. In my mind, I would say, you have no idea what you're asking for. <laughs> All they wanted was the spotlight and for their names to be on a flyer when they used to be flyers or a picture on an invitation. And those same people, no kidding, those same people that made that their ultimate goal didn't last long. Because it wasn't what they thought it was. See, there is no platform without builders. And builders are people like you. Builders like the person sitting next to you and the people in your row. Teamwork makes the, there we go. And sometimes to get more though, and sometimes to get more done, it's going to require less of me and more of we. Less of me, more of we. Would you say that with me this morning? Less of me, more of we. Now, spouses, you might want to record this. Say it again. Less of me, more of we. You had your chance. You had your chance. See, in an individual sport, only one person enjoys the victory. Only one person gets the medal or the trophy. But in a team sport, everybody enjoys the victory from top to, to, to bottom. There is no doubt that a team sport, though, is a little more difficult. We can agree with that because there are different people with different likings and, and characteristics and backgrounds and attitudes and egos. But that all requires that all of them come together as one to be on the same page after the same goal. So 
in a team, you can't worry about your personal stats or accomplishments. There's no room for that in a team sport. So, so what if you scored 40 points basketball or, or scored three touchdowns football, but the team still lost? Right? I'd rather play a small part in a big game than a big part in a small game. And an individual sport, if that person is having a bad day or a bad game, it's game over for them, right? Why? Because there's, there's no one there that can help him or her because it's a one-person game. So if they had a terrible start to the game, it becomes pretty much impossible for them to come back and win. But in a team sport, if you are having a bad day or a bad game, or even if your superstar player is having a bad game, it's still not game over. Why? Because there are other players on that field, on that court, that can help you through your bad game. In other words, your bad game doesn't automatically mean that the team loses. In a team, others come together, pull as one, and can carry the team to victory, even when the superstar player has a bad game. So let me remind you this morning that you aren't here by yourself. And if you take a look around you this morning, these are all your teammates. Not your enemies. These are your teammates. We're all on the same team. Ecclesiastics 4.12 said a cord of three strands is not easily broken. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. A team sport has people that can help each other in time of need. Your circle matters. So everywhere you look, there are teams established. Ministry is a team. Marriage is a team. Business is a team. Relationships are a team. Jesus sends his disciples in groups of two, which is a team. Even before that, when he started, he started his earthly ministry, he chose a team of 12. Moses had Aaron. Moses had Joshua. Joshua had Caleb. Elijah had Elijah. And when God used a specific person for a specific task, they didn't do it alone. They had the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is with you, you are not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. And that song is coming to my head right now. You are not alone. And I forgot the rest. <laughs> maybe later, maybe later. But sometimes it comes down to our mentality, right? That's the way we think, doesn't it? An out-of-towner drove his car into a ditch in a desolated, desolated area. Luckily, a local farmer came to help with his big, strong horse named Buddy. And so he hitched Buddy up to the car and yelled, pull, Nelly, pull. And Buddy didn't move. Then the far farmer hollered, pull, Buster, pull. And Buddy didn't respond. Once more, the farmer commanded, pull, Coco, pull. And the farmer so calmly said, then the, the farmer so calmly said, pull, Buddy, pull. And the horse easily dragged the car out of the ditch. And the motorist was most appreciative, but yet very curious at the same time. He asked the farmer why he called his horse by the wrong name three times. And the farmer said, oh, it's because Buddy is blind. And then he saw that he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try. Think of how true that is of us. We see things that need to be done in our homes, in our community, at church. But because no one else is doing anything about it, we say to ourselves, well, if they don't care, why should? 
You've said it before. <laughs> Why should I? Blink at me if you know what I'm talking about. If they don't care, why should I? It's our mentality. If Buddy would have saw he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't have pulled. We see things that need to be done, but because no one else is doing anything about it, we say to ourselves, oh, if they don't care, why should I? But it's not about me. It's about we. It's not about me. It's about we. I'm not the entire puzzle. You're not the entire puzzle. I'm just a piece of the puzzle. And you are a piece of the puzzle. And unless we all come together, the puzzle will never be complete. The puzzle will never make sense. It's when all the pieces come together when things make sense. When the picture makes sense. No task is insignificant. Are you with me? Are you with me? <laughs> Even the water boy is vital to the team. In fact, in scripture, we find the very first water boy. Yes, even before Bobby Boucher. <laughs> I'm going to prove it to you. First Kings chapter 311. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it to you. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elijah, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. Did you notice that? He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Elijah, the prophet that we know him to be, was known as the guy who poured out water on Elijah's hand. That's how they described him. That's what, that's what stood out to them. That's what made him stand out to them. In other words, Elijah was a water boy. Stay with me, please. And before he could part the waters like his mentor, Elijah, before he could part the waters, he first learned how to pour out the waters. God will never establish you and me as an authority until we first have learned to submit to authority. Most of us want to part the waters right away, but we don't want to learn how to pour water. The pouring comes before the parting. The pouring comes before the parting. So don't ever think that your task is insignificant. In the eyes of others, of others, you're just the water boy. But without the water that you provide, the team cannot function properly. See, David started off with bears and lions before he got a shot at Goliath. Right? Peter started off with small groups and synagogues before he got the green light to speak at Pentecost. And John the Baptist baptized so many people before he had the honor of baptizing Jesus. And Elijah started off pouring out water on the hands of Elijah before he could part the waters of the Jordan River. See, whatever your role may be on the team, please know that your task is significant. Your task is significant. And as a team, there is this thing called home field advantage. Man, you know what I'm talking about, home field advantage. 
The benefits of having home field advantage is that you are familiar with the field, the turf, because some stadiums have real grass, some have artificial grass, and some have no grass. Uh, some are dome and some are closed, et cetera, et cetera. And in basketball, you get familiar with the hoop, and you have your favorite spot to shoot from. And another benefit of home field advantage is that your logo is in the end zone, your logo is in the middle of the court. Another benefit of having home field advantage is that your player introductions are so much cooler than those of those of than those of the visiting teams but the most important benefit of having home field advantage is that the majority of the crowd attending the game are on your side and here we have the writer of hebrews who is unknown by the way and many scholars believe that because of the style or the uh, of the author's writings many believe that it can be easily associated with paul but nonetheless, it's, it's unknown. So whoever this writer is, right, they use words that we can consider to be sports terms. The Hebrews chapter 12, what we read earlier, terms like run and race. Not to mention the fact that in those days, the Colosseum was alive and well. There were events taking place in that venue. So this particular writer is associating sports terms with the spiritual life that you, are, you and I are involved in. And it's almost as if the writer is encouraging the people that you aren't by yourself, right? But that you are actually surrounded by witnesses. And the word witnesses is actually the word martyrs, people that died for believing that Jesus was not only sent by God, but that he was the son of God. That he came to restore humanity to its original intent and offer forgiveness and eternal life. But that this cloud of witnesses, of martyrs, aren't spectators just watching us, but they were, they were real people that did exist and lived their lives according to the will of God. These people actually lived out what they believed. They were part of the team. They, they could truly say, we came, we saw, we conquered. And so let me inform you this morning that you are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And in case you didn't know, now you know you have, and I have home field advantage. Why do I say that? Well, because there are more people that are rooting for you than those that are rooting against you. I know that's hard to believe. I know. Monday morning comes and it's hard, harder to believe then, but it's true. The thing is, is that some of us are so used to hearing those negative voices that even when those positive voices are speaking to us, we don't even hear them because our ears are so in tune to hear those of the negative voices. We can get 10 beautiful compliments and one negative one, and we'll go to bed thinking of that one negative one. Our ears are in tune to the negative voices. And the reality for some of us is that's all we've heard growing up, negative feedback. And we have this mentality, it's me against the world. But I hate to break it to you this morning, but it's not you against the world. Why? Well, because Jesus said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Newsflash, the world has already been defeated. <laughs> and you're wondering, well, then why is my life so difficult? 
Why is my life so frustrating? Why is it that it seems like I'm always making the wrong choices, the wrong decisions? If you feel like that, then let me allow, then allow me to ask you this question. Is Jesus the source of your life or is, or is he simply a resource in your life? Is Jesus really the source of your life or is he simply, simply a resource in your life? Now, I'm not saying that with Jesus, you'll never have any troubles, right? You'll never have any setbacks. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Jesus taught either. What he did say is that even while you are going through the troubles, you'll be able to have peace knowing that the trouble won't triumph over you. Let me break it down. You won't always get green traffic lights. You'll get some red traffic lights along the way too. And that's okay. It's normal. You're human. But you are surrounded. You and I are surrounded. See, I thought about how when the game is really close, and for those of you that's played sports in school or at some point in your life, organized sports, not the backyard. I thought about how when the game is really close and there's not much time left and your team has the ball, the people in the crowd know the significance of the next play. They know the situation. They know that the next play is crucial to give them a chance to be victorious. And it's at that moment where the voices in the crowd become louder, right? The cheers become louder. The intensity becomes greater. You can feel the energy in the air because, of, because all these voices are expressing their emotions for their team. And if you've ever played any sport and if, you, and if you've been on the field when that moment happens, it's something special. It really is. You can feel the energy. You get hyped up. Your game face is on. And you believe that the next play is the play that will bring you the victory. You feed off of the voices in the crowd. You feed off of the voices in the crowd. You feed off of the voices in the crowd. But in the spiritual, we don't feed off of the voices in the crowd but we feed off of the voices in the cloud. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's what we feed off of. Those are the voices that encourage us. It only takes one play to change the game. It only takes one play to change the game. It takes one play to change the course of the entire game for you. What if it's giving small groups a chance? What if, it's, what if that's the play that changes the outcome of your life? Whose voices are you listening or are you hearing in the crowd? See, there's this verse in Acts chapter 3. Uh, you know this. When I read, read it, you'll kind of know where I'm talking about. Where Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. And on their, on their way, they come across a lame man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And then Peter says the famous words, silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. We know that part. We preach it, we preach that part, and it's powerful. But just before that, he, he told the man, Peter tells the man, look on us. Look on us. And the story goes on to say that the man gave heed unto them. He knew where to turn because he followed the sound of the voice. Hear me. He knew where to turn because he followed the sound of the voice. Again, I remind you, whose voices are you hearing? Because the voices you listen to will determine the direction you take. Amen? Every time there's a, a cop stops somebody, what do we do? Must be a, must be a girl. 
must be a woman. And then before you know it, you're, you're, you're going into the other, into the other lane yourself. <laughs> you heard the, the sirens and you turn in that direction. The voices you listen to will determine the direction you take. But in the Greek rendering, it actually reads the, the look on us, the look on us part, it actually reads, take your last look because things are about to change. Peter tells this layman, take your last look because things are about to change. Peter is letting this man know, take your last look in the situation you are in because everything is about to change in your life. Go ahead and take one last look from the position and the posture you are in because things are about to change for you. And I believe God is telling you this morning, go ahead and take one last look in the situation you are in, that you've been in, that you've been struggling with all year long. Go ahead and take one last look because everything is about to change in your life. Look on us. Look on us. Take one last look at the giant in front of you. Take one last look at the hurdle in front of you. Take one last look because God is about to raise you up to the level you've been wanting to be at for so long. Take your last look. Take your last look. And in closing, you're not by yourself. There's a cloud of witnesses cheering for you. And, and if you listen closely, you can hear the voice of Peter. Yes, Peter, you know, the one that told Jesus that he wouldn't allow no one to take him to the cross. That same Peter who denied Christ, his friend, three times. If you listen carefully, you can hear the voice of Peter saying, hey, don't give up. Keep going. Keep running the race. Hey, I denied Christ. I denied my own friend. I denied my Savior, but I made it. Look, I made it. There's still hope for you. You don't have to give up. Lace up your shoes and get back in it. And I can hear the voice of Paul saying, hey, I persecuted Christians. I was responsible for giving the command to kill Stephen. I murdered so many Christians thinking what I was doing was the right thing. But look, I made it. I made it. I had a game-changing encounter with Jesus that changed everything about me. Don't give up. You don't have to end in defeat. It's not too late to change. Lace up your shoes and get back in it. I can hear the voice of Noah saying, hey, I acted upon the words that God gave me and started building an ark for the rain that was coming when we had never seen rain before. People didn't know what rain was. People made fun of us. People rooted for our failure. People didn't understand why I was doing what I was doing, but I kept building. And some of you need to hear the voice of Noah this morning telling you, keep building. Keep building. In fact, I need to hear the voice of Noah telling me, keep building Israel. Don't stop building. The rain's going to come. The rain will come. Keep building. Keep building. Listen to the voice of Noah telling you this morning, keep building. Keep believing. Don't lose hope on your marriage. Don't lose hope on your family. Don't lose hope on your health. Don't lose hope in your calling. Don't lose hope in your ministry. Don't lose hope. 
the rain will come. The rain will come. The rain will come. There are more for you than there are against you. You need to hear that, that there are more for you than there are against you. We have home field advantage. There are more people cheering for you than there are against you. We feed off of the voices in the cloud, not the crowd. And it's not about me, it's about we. And I hope you find the circle that gives you life and that creates an atmosphere of healing just like you all have created for us. Each and every one of you all have created an atmosphere for me and my family, for us to heal. All of you. Every Sunday we come, and as we, we're still trying to walk through our journey, you guys know, the beginning of this year, there's been difficult moments but we step into this place and we, we inhale healing and love. In fact, because of our pain, our loss, and having conversations with some of you all that have shared your story with us, we have drawn hope because of your pain. In fact, it has been pain that has made our friendship stronger, more intentional. And it's all these puzzle, puzzle pieces coming together on Sunday that come together and create this atmosphere of healing for us. I want you to know on behalf of my family that we thank you. Thank you for the hugs, for the words of encouragement, for, the, for you sharing your story with us because we have been able to draw strength from, from your story. I hope you find the circle that gives you life and that creates an atmosphere of healing just like you have for us. The sunflower. <laughs> the sunflower is probably the most amazing flowers God created because they literally follow the sun. Now imagine a field of sunflowers. Watching one follow the sun through is cute. But imagine watching hundreds in absolute unison follow the sun is actually quite incredible. Some flowers continue tracking the sun's direction long after the sunset. So through, through 360 degrees, they ensure that they are always, always oriented in the direction of the sun. Hear me. Their unity is totally dependent on one thing. Their relationship with the sun, S-U-N. What would happen among us, this community, our, this tribe, if our unity depended on our relationship with the sun, S-O-N? Imagine, yeah. <laughs> and imagine how our small groups would be 
if we, if we all go with a high level of expectation that the Lord would meet us there right in the middle of a conversation, right in the middle of a discussion, right in the middle of answering questions, that we would do everything we can to stay in the direction of the Son, S-O-N, that as our relationship with the Son grows, so does our relationship with those around us. As I end this three-part series, I give you one last plea. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, let's go together. Let's go together. Would you bow your heads? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your peace, Lord. We thank you, God, because our circle matters. And truth be told, some of us don't have friends outside of work. And even the people at work aren't really our friends, they're acquaintances, they're co workers. And there are some people, Lord, that are, are longing to have true friends. And maybe some of them haven't had a true friend in a long time, God. That they don't even know how to nurture a healthy friendship. I pray, Lord, that you would soften their hearts this morning. That they would give small groups a chance. That they would feel welcomed. That they would feel loved no judgment no shame all of us here God have our we have our own story and yet you looked at us and said I still love you I still have something great for you so I pray for those individuals God that have been thinking about it but not sure Lord I pray that they would have Lord that last ounce of of courage to take a step forward and sign up and for the fact the marriages Lord that God they're just ashamed they don't want to go into a group because maybe their marriages is on the rocks maybe maybe they've thrown out some words Lord that they never thought they would throw out in a conversation in a marriage in their home I pray God that you would lead them to the right group the right voices God that they would find encouragement, God, that they would find healing. Just like this place has for us, has been for us a healthy refuge, God, that they would find their refuge of peace, of hope, and life. Thank you, God, because we want to be better for the long haul. We want to step into victory for the long haul, God. So I thank you for every person in this place, Lord. I pray that this next season, as we enter a new season of small groups, God, that it would be an incredible season for, for all of us, God. And for those that is just not their thing, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. As they drive home from work, God, that they would have a, a, such a beautiful experience with you. On their lunch break, God, that they would give you two minutes of their lunch break to pray to you, God, and you would wreck them. <sighs> in that moment to remind him that 
you're not alone. I know you got the weight of the world on your shoulders, but you're not alone. We're here for you. We're here with you. Thank you, God, for this community, this beautiful community. Thank you for this family, Lord. And we thank you for all that you're doing behind the scenes, for all those that serve, all the builders, Lord, all the builders in this house. We thank you for them. We ask that you would bless this next season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a hand praise this morning?